Hi, welcome to Cinema Scene on Gardner Webb University Radio. Noel T. Manning II here hanging out with Adam Long from Focus Newspaper. Focusnewspaper.com is where you'll find Adam. Also, can check out our Facebook page and wgwg.org is where you'll find all sorts of uh, archived shows linked to our SoundCloud account. Hey, Adam, how are you, man? I'm good. Hope you are. Excellent. Yeah, I'm doing great. Doing great. Uh, a lot of a lot of things happening in the the world of uh, of motion pictures. We've got uh, you know the next few weeks. We got uh, starting this weekend, uh, Cohen Brothers uh, release uh, coming out uh, in you know a month or so. You got. Uh, London has fallen. You got uh, which was the uh, you know sequel to Olympus has fallen. Uh, you got Morgan Freeman in that. You, you got uh, what else? You got you got Batman hitting the big screen again. You know it's a, it's an interesting time. It, this is a time when this month typically has been kind of the dead zone um, that you will see. But then February rolls in and you start getting some surprises. And then March rolls in. March is really kind of the uh, the, the preseason for the summer box office. Now it's uh, you know we're seeing less and less of that kind of dead zone time. It's really kind of captured in within a month now. So it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is. Uh, and I'm I'm glad that we're finally getting some films that are actually in, of interest. Things that uh, you and I might actually. Uh, be interested in seeing as opposed to being forced to see them so that we have yeah. something to talk about on the show here. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, for anybody who's never listened to us, we do talk movies in, in all aspects. We look at uh, box office results. We look at what's new. We give you reviews. We give you movie news, uh, you know, all sorts of things. It, it's, it's, a, it's a hodgepodge, uh, um, a variety of just whatever the heck we want to talk about relating, uh, relating to movies. But, yeah, it's interesting. You know, the studios really are starting to to spread things out uh, a lot more throughout the year now, and they're finding, well, if we can own a couple of really good weekends, no matter what time period it is, maybe we can make our money back. And, you know, this weekend, as I mentioned, Hell, C- Hell Caesar opens. Coen Brothers film also uh, in wide release. You've got Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies uh, opening up on nearly 3,000 theaters. Uh, and then uh, a Romance from Lionsgate, The Choice, uh, opens up uh, this weekend as well in a pretty wide release uh, starring uh, Tom Welling and uh, Tom Wilkerson, uh, Maggie Grace uh, in this uh, romantic drama. And so uh, it's, uh, you know, a, a lot of wide releases spread out next weekend, the same concept. Uh, you got Deadpool, uh, How to Be Single, which is uh, the uh, new Rebel uh, Wilson comedy, and then Zoolander 2. Now, I'm not not I'm saying not that I'm saying I'm excited about Zoolander too, but you are having wider releases and multiple of them uh, opening up, and it's uh, it's just an interesting time. It really is. Sometimes you'll get surprised by what's out there. Yeah, it's it's true, and and you can go on um, if you go on Rotten Tomatoes and you go and you look at uh, at the uh, um, the, the uh, critical consensus on most of everything that was released in January. That'll tell you all you need to know. You've got a 12% on uh, Ride Along 2. You've got an 8% on Dirty Grandpa. You've got a, uh, a 17% on the fifth wave. Right. So these will give you an, this will give you an idea of uh, the kind of quality of product that we, we get typically in January. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Now, there is one, uh, you and I... Um, well, you know, we'll we can talk about box office, but why don't we go ahead and dive in and to uh, to movie reviews and review uh, the Cohen Brothers film uh, that uh, is released this weekend. Uh, Cohen's are back, kind of in some goofball annex in uh, in Hell Caesar. You and I uh, had a uh, advanced screening on that, and uh, yep. 
it's uh, movies within movies within movies. And so uh, let's get your thoughts, and then I'll dive in with mine as well. Yeah. Uh, well, Hill Caesar, uh, I, I I enjoyed. I appreciated. I guess my reaction. I guess would best to be. It would be best to sum it up as saying mixed. Uh, there were things I liked about it. Uh, I thought it had the great uh, trademark Coen Brothers dialogue. Uh, some you know spectacular uh, snatches of dialogue that we've come to expect from them, and uh, that that was all well and fine, and I enjoyed that, and I laughed a couple of a couple of times out loud, as a matter of fact. And uh, of course, the uh, cinematography, Roger Deakins, their longtime collaborator, uh, just the film is just gorgeously shot. Um, it takes place in the '50s, of course, '50s Hollywood, and and uh, they they recreate a lot of the uh, 50s, the movies that were being shot at MGM in the 50s. The um, plot of the film revolves around a guy named Eddie Mannix, who is the fixer uh, for the studio called Capital Pictures. Which, uh, And when I say fixer, he's the guy who fixes these scandals. If there's a scandal involving a star that comes uh, up in the press that might ruin their career, uh, then he, fi- he finds a way to fix it, to, uh, come, to spin it somehow back in the days before twitter and facebook and all that right and right you could actually yep. do those sorts of things and so uh josh brolin plays this character and so it's, it's obvious that this is mgm because they're doing all the the musicals that were the rage at mgm in the 50s and a lot of the just the different genres of films that you would see the uh of course the title film hell see the the title of the film is hell caesar so obviously you know there's a uh there's some sort of a quasi-religious film that's being shot on the lot, uh, similar to Ben-Hur or something of that yep. nature. So, so this is all well and fine to see these recreations. It's, it's kind of, it's a lot of fun, and it, and it really, really, it's good-looking stuff. Uh, unfortunately, it, it just didn't add up to a whole lot for me. Uh, there's a, the characters are kind of throwaway. Um, there's a lot of great actors in there. You've got Ray Fiennes, you've got uh, Scarlett Johansson, You've got, uh, of course, Clooney, um, just tons of even lesser uh, character actors that are lesser known by the, uh, unless you're like us, like uh, uh, Clancy Brown and uh, people of that nature. You know, just it's, it's chock full of them, and uh, I I really appreciated all that. But it, the it, the end result for me was more like, um, well, here's an opportunity for us to to. Um, to get all our friends together and and pay homage to these '50s movies that we loved as a kid, and uh, and you know we'll just kind of coast along on on these cameo appearances, and uh, we're not really going to uh, try to put together too cohesive of a plot. So this film is nowhere near as good as something like say uh, Fargo or Big Lebowski, or but it's certainly better than the lesser Cohen films like Lady Killers and Intolerable Cruelty. It's certainly better than that, but it's. It's a far cry, and I know you weren't a fan of Inside Llewyn Davis. I, I was a fan of it, uh, even though the main character is very despicable. I'll give you that. <laughs> well, you know, you, you typically like despicable people, so it kind of fits with your personality. <laughs> so, uh, you know, no surprise there, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. It's all good, as they say. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, but no, I, uh, I, you know, he's, it's not a, you know, Lewin Davis, you didn't see any characters like that in this film, which I guess is good uh, for the mainstream audiences because they, they're not going to accept something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Uh, but uh, having said that, you know, I'm going to give it a, a, a B minus. Okay. Uh, there's, there's, there's some good stuff going on there. I just, 
I was just a little disappointed. Yep. Uh, maybe I was expecting a little too much, yep. but I, I just didn't didn't quite gel for me. Uh, although it's not a terrible film. Like well, that. well, actually, uh, you know, you and I are, are pretty close on our grade. Um, I mean, I thought the movie w- was fun. I love the quirky characters. The the dialogue is always uh, really drawn in by what they do in dialogue, even with films that I may not like that the Coen brothers pull out. But the creative set pieces were great in this kind of mystery comedy. Uh, about an abduction of a of a major movie star, and you know th- that in itself, the story was really kind of a simple hostage return for ransom theme. I mean, not anything that we haven't seen somewhere before. But there's yeah. multiple you know intricate set pieces, and the cameos provided entertainment for me. I mean, it was I laughed throughout. Uh, it was fun. You know, it was enjoyable. You know, seeing Channing Tatum as a, a singing sailor. And dancing, yeah, you know, him, you yeah. know, dancing across the table like a like a Gene Kelly or a Fred Astaire, and then Scarlett Johansson as a mermaid. Uh, those were some pretty memorable moments. But uh, you know, the singing cowboy taking me back to kind of the Gene Autry and uh, uh, Roy Rogers concept. I mean, I, he was my favorite character. Was this this singing cowboy uh, from a, a face that I'd seen, but not a name that was very familiar to me. And uh, you know, there were several uh, you know, bit pieces with him throughout that were that were threaded through that were just kind of fun. Um, you know, Coen Brother films, and by their very nature, are really not for everybody. I think they can be an acquired taste, and I think this movie is really no different from that. Um, you know, there's certain threads throughout the film that I saw. I felt a lot of them were just kind of thrown in for the sake of the fun. And you kind of mentioned, you mentioned, you know, a way of these guys all getting together just to kind of have fun and just to, to spend some time together. And yeah, there was definitely that. Um, I thought yeah. a lot of the pieces, there was really no connection to the storyline overall, but, but still kind of found myself laughing uh, at several things throughout. Um, this is not going to be a classic Coen brothers film by any means. Uh, you know, you had mentioned some of the others I, I want to throw in uh, old brother, where art thou, which did become uh, a, cl- a mainstream classic. Um, you know, it's, this is not going to be that kind of film. Uh, but I got to say this, nobody can uh, mug overacting goofball faces better with the Coens than George Clooney. And George Clooney really did that uh, quite well uh, throughout this and, and, and got beat up in the process quite a few times. And that was just fun to see, uh, really fun to see, if nothing else. Uh, it's not a film that I'm going to go back and see over and over again. I'm not going to revisit it. But I'm glad, yeah. I, I'm glad I went to see it one time. You know, I'm, I'm glad I saw it, uh, and there were definitely moments that I'm going to remember, um, uh, you know, that happened over the course of that film. You gave it a B-. Uh, I'm actually giving it a C plus. I, I didn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't great. It, it was, was good and, uh, well, you know, it was fun. Glad I saw it. So uh, I'm, giving, I'm giving this film, Hell Caesar, a C plus. Adam gave it a B-, minus. so we're, we're pretty close in our, our assessment there. That we are. Good deal. All right. Uh, you know, last weekend's box office, uh, the, the big winner, uh, Kung Fu Panda 3, uh, was number one last weekend uh, with, uh, you know, quite a bit of money bring, being uh, brought into the box office. The Revenant uh, continues uh, to do well at the box office, as does uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Uh, the uh, other two, uh, I mentioned uh, Kung Fu Panda. That was a debut. The only other two debuts last weekend uh, the Finest Hours and Fifty Shades of Black. Fifty Shades of Black, a, a dismal 10th uh, place uh, at the uh, opening box office. The final uh, Finest Hours in at number four, and then right along two, as you mentioned earlier, uh, with those Rotten Tomato scores, uh, came in at number five. 
last weekend. Uh, any uh, any films in the top ten that you want to make sure you get a chance to spend some time talking about today? Well, since we last talked, uh, I have seen the fine. I saw the finest hours, and uh, that was um, uh, again. It was not great. Uh, it's yep. kind of like a, yep. a low rent um, perfect storm, I guess uh, you would say. Yes, I am a poor man's a poor man's perfect storm. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what it was. I mean, it's uh, it's the true story of the Coast Guard. Uh, one of their uh, big, most daring rescues from night. It took place in 1952, where you had this. Um, a submarine that was literally split in two uh, by this uh, tremendous storm. And Chris Pine, uh, he's one of the members of the Coast Guard who's assigned to, uh, whose assignment is to rescue these, this crew. And then uh, you've got um, Casey Affleck as the leader of the, the crew on the sub. And uh, these characters are pretty one-dimensional. Uh, in order for them to stretch the film out, they uh, throw in this romantic subplot uh that takes up the first 30 minutes of the film, and it just really felt kind of shoehorned in there and forced. And uh, just I just really wasn't buying that. Uh, we didn't really need that. They could have easily just went straight to the action of the of the ship, uh, of the rescue, rather. Uh, they could have just gotten right into that without having to, to throw in this forced romantic uh, subplot. But, you know, it's, it's you know, some... Good 3D there, some decent, you know, it's IMAX and 3D, it's some decent 3D and IMAX if, if that's your sort of thing. So that's, you know, they're, they're, it's visually nice to look at, I guess, but, uh, you know, story-wise, it's just a little formulaic, and it's, a, it's, it's Disney, so, you know, they're trying to make it, I guess, family-friendly, I suppose, uh, but uh, it just didn't, I don't know, it's kind of half-baked, the end result was for me, so I didn't really... Didn't really care for uh, the finer, finest hours uh, all that much. Uh, I did see uh, Fifty Shades of Black. I uh, saw that also. They did not give us a press screening on that, so I had to actually go and see that one in the theater because I was actually looking for material to review for the gotcha. paper uh, well, but before, <laughs> that I write for. Yeah, but before we dive into that, Finest Hours, uh, what rating do you give that? Oh, yeah, that's true. I'm glad you Got sure. me on that. Sure. Uh, yeah, C plus on that. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, C plus for me too. I, I, I thought visually, I was really impressed with the visuals, um, and it really is one of those that um, that from that standpoint, the, the bigger the screen, the better. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I was I was really impressed with that, but that was a, that was really honestly the extent of it. Uh, well, that that and the sound design. Uh, the sound design uh, was true, was, yeah. was really really well done. But but other than that, uh, Perfect Storm uh, surpassed this as far as that kind of film. So uh, I'm 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 right there with you. I gave this a C plus as well. Uh, but a, but a good solid A on sound design and uh, and the effect setups. Uh, all right, dive into uh, Fifty Shades of Black. Well, Fifty Shades of Black is uh, you know it's the latest uh, pop culture. It's the latest skewering of a pop culture fad. In this case, it's Fifty Shades of uh, Grey. And actually, as an aside, too, aren't you a little surprised that they didn't follow up the success of Fifty Shades of Grey with a sequel this year? I mean, I was kind of surprised that uh, here at Valentine's they didn't they didn't rush one into production and like they do with most of these these books that are serious. Yeah, they're they're uh, they're stretching it out, but it's, I think they've already got uh, two more films lined up, so it's going to happen. Yeah, I was just surprised that they're waiting so long to do it because yeah. you know it's usually strike while the iron's hot. Absolutely. that's one of those that uh, that that audience they're going to keep going back to it. It doesn't matter how many years it spreads yeah. out. 
I guess you're right about that. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But uh, but anyway, um, no, it's um, the, the, I was surprised at the raunch factor in in this one. I mean, you know, you're going into a Marlon Wayans affair. You know, he's right, right, yep. known for doing these kind of movies with his brother Keenan Ivory, and uh, you know, their movies are hit and miss typically. And uh, the last thing he did, I think, was The Haunted House, which is a parody of Paranormal Activity right. and all that stuff. Uh, and, and the raunch factor is there in those films, but it wasn't quite as off the charts as it was in this film. This film just, it re- I was really kind of taken aback by all the the jokes about male anatomy and, and the all the, uh, the the fake male appendages that are actually seen on screen and uh, that kind of thing. And it was just kind of, <clears throat> I was kind of surprised. wasn't quite expecting that. I'm, I'm no prude, mind you, but, uh, you know, these jokes about male anatomy can are only funny for the first five minutes and after that they just kind of get boring is the uh the problem with it uh the, it actually during the last 30 minutes of the film uh, when it reaches the climax no pun intended uh <laughs> oh man uh, i knew you were going there i knew yeah, it. exactly oh. i really didn't mean that one but oh. it just came out but uh, anyway uh but this, this once it gets to the to the end of the film um final act shall we say uh they try to throw in a little social commentary because there's a scene where uh, uh, the uh, the girl in the film who's in the Fifty Shades of Grey, she's Anna Steele. Here she's Hannah Steele. And uh, she looks, the, the actress that plays her looks almost identical to uh, Dakota Johnson, who was in the, uh, the Fifty Shades of Grey. It's amazing how much she looks like her. And uh, uh, so... Uh, there's a there's a scene where she turns the tables on uh, Christian, the Marlon Wayans character, and starts whipping him. And there are all these whips on the uh, on the wall that are labeled from different films. Like there's one that says uh, the Glory Whip from the movie Glory, and there's the Amistad Whip, and there's the whip from Django Unchained, and all these African American themed films. They're the whips that were used in all those films. Yeah. <laughs> films. Yeah. And she says this is. She starts whipping him and says this is for. Uh, what what they did to um, Napita Leongo in 12, 12 Years a Slave, and this is for what they did to Kerry Washington and Django Unchained, and so she's just whipping Marlon Wayans, and so that's kind of that was kind of clever and funny. I thought it was kind of you know throwing in a little social commentary right, there, but right. uh, beyond that, uh, it was it was just a lot of jokes about male anatomy and and on all of that, and it just kind of got dull after a while. So. Uh, anyway, yeah, I'd say probably a D plus, uh, for me. Okay. Wow. D plus. All right. D plus. Uh, you know, I, we have been giving people, uh, uh giving our audience a, a kind of a standard update on, you know, where Star Wars, the force awakens, uh, shows up as it relates to, to all time money making. Well, it's, it's, you know, 2 billion bucks, uh, $2 billion worldwide. This movie is brought in and, how does that compare to uh, to Avatar? When you, well, let's look at the showdown of it. Basically, after uh, 46 days, um, Avatar had brought in 598 million, and after 46 days, uh, Star Wars: The Force Awakens had brought in almost 900 million. So, you know, it's still on. Uh, you know, it's still on uh, target to uh, to ultimately beat out Avatar. Uh, we'll just kind of have to see. But I, 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 you know, still don't think anybody expected it to be. Um, quite. I mean, we knew it was going to be huge, um, but uh, but I think uh, I don't know if any people might expect it to be that huge that fast. Um, uh, yeah. But uh, but yeah, 
pretty pretty amazing. Uh, Two billion dollars uh, worldwide. It's uh, it's approaching. So pretty pretty incredible stuff. Yeah, it is amazing that uh, how how quick it. Well, I I guess we shouldn't be surprised because yeah. it is Star Wars, yep. you know. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, and they've also, by the way, announced a release date of the Blu-ray and DVD. Yeah, at, uh, yeah, coming April up soon. Third. Yeah, I mean, just a few months away, which is really fascinating. Um, I mean, it'll it'll still be in probably a few theaters by that date. You know, the way this is going, pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I, I knew. I, I figured probably by our, by springtime we would be uh, be seeing that, and, and yeah. we are obviously. Yeah, yeah. But, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, those are. Uh, and I did get a chance to see one other film, uh, and um, uh, that would be the new Nicholas Sparks film, which is also opening Friday. And I did see that one. Uh, had a screening on that Monday night. The choice. Yes, and, the choice. Uh, Let's hear it. Yeah, I was surprised. Uh, you know, I go into these Nicholas Sparks films kind of not really all that excited because you feel like you've seen them so many times. And the last one was uh, better than expected, The Longest Ride. I was surprised uh, how much I liked that. And they've always got uh, the the uh, veteran older actor in, in these films. Uh, Alan Alda was in the last one. You're always playing like a grandfatherly type figure. And in this one, you have... Tom Wilkinson, he's the uh, the older actor that uh, that lends the the film some credibility, and he plays the uh, the father of this um, uh, the the town veterinarian. Who's he's also a veterinarian, but his son's in the business with him. Uh, and uh, the, the, anyway, the the he the, his son, the Tom Wilkinson character's son, falls for his next door neighbor, who's a medical student, and. Um, Anyway, they, they fall in love, they get married, and then there's a tragedy involved, and I don't want to get into it too much, but it, he winds up having to, uh, to to make the choice of the film's title, which is actually, when it gets to that point, I was surprised at how affecting the movie was. It was actually, uh, you know, it's corny. It's like I told the lady who was asking for my quote uh, outside the theater after it was over with our, our press rep. I said, uh, well, it's corny, it's cliched, but it was surprisingly effective. There you go. <laughs> There you go, man. And uh, so I'm going to give the, I'm going to give it a B minus. Wow. Yeah, maybe okay. I'm, maybe old Adam's going a little soft here. <laughs> but uh, the choice uh, is not the worst film I have seen uh, by uh, for, for sure. I okay. Think uh, it is uh, not not terrible. Well, and good I, deal, man. Uh, well, good deal. It's not going to give you anything that you haven't seen before right. in a Nicholas Sparks film, but. Okay. Uh, you know, the performances are engaging, and uh, I don't know. I, 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 I got a little emotional there. Wow, uh, okay. Well, so uh, so uh, I'm not as hard-hearted as I thought I was. So. <laughs> you're, <laughs> anyway. you're, you're not as despicable as most people think you are, so there you that's go. Right. That's right. I'm not thing, as despicable as, as the main character in Lou and David. That's it. So. That's it. Well, uh, well, on Blu-ray that's uh, available this week, uh, Bridge of Spies, uh, Carol, uh, also out on Blu-ray, which is just... Uh, a visually stunning film. The way this was shot. If you want to check out a movie that's just kind of beautiful, uh, the way it was, the way it looks, do that. And then also research how how it happened. Uh, Carol is out on Blu-ray, uh, as well as Our Brand of Crisis, which I'm not going to recommend. Uh, Rock the Casbah also not going to really recommend that. Uh, Truth uh, is also available on on Blu-ray. And just uh, as we're gear, gearing up for uh, Zoolander 2, Zoolander. Uh, is out on Blu-ray this week. Any others you want to make sure you mention uh, Blu-ray-related uh, pieces or uh, yeah. films? Yeah, uh, two weeks ago, uh, Twilight Time uh, released their slate of titles, uh, and I would like to mention them because yep. there's there's some 
genuinely good titles there. Uh, I was surprised uh, at how what uh, how many uh, well you know they 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 do a good job uh, rescuing a lot of these uh, films that uh, probably would not be issued on Blu-ray if it weren't for them, and they just uh, really had a terrific terrific lineup in in January that released on the 19th and they're out there and these titles are all limited to 3,000 units, uh, and uh, one of them is the Happy Ending which is uh, directed by Richard Brooks uh, the guy who made uh, In Cold Blood. And this was the first film that he made after In Cold Blood. It's always been a favorite of mine. And um, it has that song, if you know the uh, song, What Are You Doing the Rest of Your Life, that was covered by Barbara Streisand and many others. Yes. Uh, well, it comes from this film, and it was nominated for Best Original Song. And Gene Simmons plays a, uh, and John Forsyth are in the film, and it's about the disillusion of a marriage. And uh, it's just a very, very well-made film uh, shot by Conrad Hall, who also shot... Uh, American Beauty and Cool Hand Luke and so many other, and In Cold Blood, so many other great films that he photographed. And so the happy ending, it's never been issued on disc at all. So uh, I, I would, uh, and it never made it to DVD, and now it's out on Blu-ray. And it's and good stuff. What, what also, was, what was uh, the year? The Terrace. What was oh, the go year? ahead, I'm sorry. What was the year of the film? 1969, okay. actually. And uh, so I wanted to make sure that our, our listeners knew, when you said Gene Simmons, you're not talking about uh, Gene Simmons no, from Kiss. No, not that Gene Simmons. So I want to make sure that we clarify that. <laughs> no, yeah, that's, a, that's a good that's a good point. Yeah, but uh, yeah, exactly. But it's uh, yeah, from the terrace is another one. It's uh, um, um, Paul Newman and uh, Joanne Woodward, one of their on-screen pairings. They're a real-life couple, of course. And uh, he's a social climber. He's trying to climb the the ladder to corporate success. And he's got a mistress on the side. And he's got this marriage with Joanne Woodward, and she's kind of icy. And so he's got. He's trying to juggle all these things, and it eventually all it, it comes crashing down. It's uh, got a screenplay by Ernest Lehman, uh, who wrote North by Northwest. So that's one, uh, if you're a fan of Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward's on-screen pairings, there's one for you. And Of course, uh, uh, with the Oscar, uh, the awards going on, you know, we know uh, uh, that uh, Brian Cranston is nominated for playing Dalton Trumbo in the film Trumbo. Well, one of Trumbo's screenplays, after he broke the blacklist, after he... You know, in Spartacus was the movie that he broke through the blacklist in the film, but they don't really talk about the movies he made after that. And one of them is Hawaii with uh, uh, Max von Sydow and Julie Andrews, and they play, um, uh, they are a couple of missionaries who go to Hawaii to uh, introduce Christianity to the uh, the islanders. And it's all the, the drama. It's one of these roadshow films from the mid-60s. It's gorgeously shot and has a great Elmer Bernstein score and uh, so uh, this is, you know, if you've not seen this one, it's, it's definitely worth seeing as well. And then there's two Hal Ashby films, the director from the 70s that we're fond of, uh, you know, uh, and one of the, his, uh, the two of his greatest film accomplishments from that decade, and one of them is The Last Detail with Jack Nicholson, where the, he has to escort Randy Quaid. He's a sailor who has to escort Randy Quaid uh, to jail. And uh, it's at the time the movie uh, made it into the Guinness Book of World Records for having the F word said the most times. It was 69 times it was uttered in the film, uh, but that's of course been beaten by uh, The Wolf of Wall Street, which gets it for 522 times, I think. Uh, <laughs> well, that record has been broken. Yes, there you uh, go, man. There and, you uh, go. Bound for Bound for Glory would be the other Hal Ashby movie, which is the biopic of. Um, Woody Guthrie and David Carradine is superb. And, oh yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, terrifically photographed by Has Haskell Wexler. So all these are out there from Twilight Time, and uh, so I just wanted to mention Excellent. those. Excellent. I thought these were a really stellar bunch of titles. Very good. Well, uh, Adam yeah. Long there with Focus Newspaper. I'm Noel Manning. This is Cinema Scene 
on Gardner Webb University Radio, WGWG.org. And uh, before we leave you, uh, Adam, uh, favorite Coen Brothers character? Oh, I guess I would have to go with the the dude, uh, Jeff Lebowski All right. from the Big Lebowski. That's, that's an obvious one, I know. All I right. know. I okay, know. well, for me, I'm going to say uh, Marge from Fargo. Um, and uh, just uh, I, I loved her character, uh, Frances McDormand, who also had a great uh, cameo in uh, in Hell Caesar. Uh, that scene was yes, absolutely awesome. And so uh, you you may not even recognize her um, in the film, but uh, but 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 the scene we itself, <laughs> yeah. But the scene itself is definitely a memorable and uh, just a great scene. So. Uh, that's my favorite uh, Fargo. Uh, my favorite yeah. uh, Coen Brothers character uh, is um, Francis Arch McDormand. Gunderson. Yep, that's it, Arch. Uh, that's it for Cinema Scene for this week. We'll uh, join you next week, talk more movies. And uh, as always, check us out on Facebook. You can interact with us. Find us on Twitter. Look for Adam uh, Long. Look for Adam Film Fan 1970. And for me, if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm Noel T. Manning on Twitter. And you can uh, engage with. Uh, all sorts of craziness and mayhemous stuff there as yeah. well. Until next time, uh, that is a wrap.